1: Good Wednesday morning. We are following breaking news at this hour.
2: Two communities rocked by a deadly shooting spree. It is December 6. This is Today. Terror in Texas, a series of attacks in Austin and San Antonio. At least six people killed, three others injured including police officers. Overnight, the suspected gunman taken into custody will have the very latest on what may have sparked the violence. Ominous warning, the FBI director telling Congress terror threats against the US have reached an unprecedented level since the start of the war in the Middle East.
3: I see blinking lights everywhere I turn.
2: What he says must be done right now to keep America safe. On the record, Donald Trump for the first time saying he doesn't think President Biden will make it to the general election and on whether he will be a dictator. No, no, no. Other than day one. What he said next and why Democrats are pouncing just ahead. Plus, the other four Republicans trying to catch a wave in tonight's final debate of the year. We're there live. Flood emergency, days of torrential rain in the Pacific Northwest, rivers overflowing, neighborhoods submerged, the Coast Guard called in for rescues. The very latest and where it's headed next. Plus, legend lost. Norman Lear, who changed the face of comedy in Hollywood, has died. We'll honor him. Those stories, plus big reveal. We've got the exclusive announcement of Time's Person of the Year this morning. Today, Wednesday, December 6th, 2023.
4: From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza.
2: And good morning, everybody.
1: Welcome to today. So nice to have you with us on a Wednesday morning. And we have another big event taking place right here this morning, guys. Time magazine revealing its person of the year. So we brought you the shortlist earlier this week and in a bit for the first time, we are going to show you exactly who it is. But let's
2: start with this breaking news out of Texas. A series of shootings over the central part of the state. This wave
1: of violence spanning eight hours. At least six people were killed. Several others hurt, among them a police officer. A suspect is now in custody and officials are saying they were not aware the incidents were possibly linked until after that arrest NBC's morgan chesky has the latest on this morgan good morning
3: Yes, Vanna Hoda, new details coming in on this series of crimes all night long. Each incident alone was frightening, but when police announced they could all possibly be connected, a chilling feeling followed. And right now, even though this suspect is in custody, investigators are incredibly busy on a desperate search for answers. Uh,
5: There was a shot fired call at uh, Nelson Field. He said he's been hit. You
4: said the officer's been hit?
3: This morning, a man under arrest after a day of terror in Texas accused of a string of shootings over more than eight hours in multiple locations, including a school, though no children were hurt. Authorities not connecting the shootings until Tuesday night when the suspect was charged with capital murder.
1: Based on information obtained over the course of these investigations, we strongly believe one suspect is responsible for all of the incidents. The suspect is in custody and no longer poses a threat to our Austin community.
3: On Tuesday morning, Northeast Early College High School was put on lockdown after shots were heard. The suspect, who police say is a man in his 30s, allegedly injured a school resource officer, but no students were involved. Then, a man and a woman killed in an Austin area further south, followed by another incident, the suspect allegedly shooting a cyclist who was injured. Finally, on Tuesday evening, Police received a burglary call at a house.
2: Hey, we shots were
3: fired. Changing shots with a suspect who injured an officer, fled in a vehicle, and then crashed during the chase. Police later finding two more bodies inside that house. Authorities also say the suspect may be tied to a separate shooting about an hour away in the San Antonio area, where two more bodies were found in a residence. The local sheriff's department says the suspect has links to that home. Authorities still searching for a motive for these six killings.
1: The nature of the relationship, if any, between the victims and the suspect is unknown.
3: But this morning, those Texas communities now breathing a sigh of relief as a suspect is behind bars. And right now, authorities have not shared if that suspect has said anything upon being taken into custody. We do know that they are currently in Travis County Jail in Austin as investigators pour over each of these individual shootings and crimes and try to understand more about how one person could be linked to all of them savannah i'm
1: right, morgan chesky on the breaking news thank you morgan let's turn now to two closely watched hearings on capitol hill including a stark warning from the director of the fbi on the threat of terror attacks here in the united states meantime the presidents of three prestigious universities were in the hot seat over the increase in anti-semitism on college campuses NBC's stephanie goss
6: joins us now from philly with more on all this hey steph good morning Hey, Hoda, good morning. You know, the University of Pennsylvania, like so many schools in this country, have been dealing with an increase of Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. The president of this school, alongside presidents from MIT and Harvard, were on Capitol Hill answering tough questions about their response. Well, not that far away, FBI Director Christopher Wray was sounding the alarm. This morning, warnings on Capitol Hill of rising tensions as Americans grapple with the fallout from the Israel-Hamas war here at home. FBI Director Christopher Wray delivering a stark message Tuesday.
3: I've never seen a time where all the threats or so many of the threats are all elevated all at exactly the same time.
6: Saying since the Hamas attacks inside Israel on October 7th, the FBI has been working around the clock to fight growing threats inside the U.S., asked if he'd compare it to the blinking warning lights before 9-11, Ray said this.
3: I see blinking lights everywhere I turn.
6: And the FBI director also noting that the agency is tracking a massive rise in threats to the Jewish community. That warning also being heard on college campuses, which have seen a spike in anti-Semitism. Presidents from MIT, UPenn, and Harvard were also on Capitol Hill Tuesday, grilled on their responses.
7: Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews and the elimination of Israel? When You that testify that you understand that is the def- definition of intifada. Is that, that speech according to the code of conduct or not? We embrace a commitment to free expression and give a wide berth to free expression even of views that are objectionable. Debating
6: how to protect both student safety while still protecting free speech. Remember?
7: Calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct, correct? Again. It depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. In recent
6: weeks, both Jewish and Muslim students have told NBC News they worry for their safety. President Kornblut is walking around with a bodyguard, um, but not every Jewish or Israeli student, none of us, have a bodyguard. Committing to free speech
8: means creating an environment that is welcoming to free speech, rather than creating an environment where Palestinian students are too scared to go to their classes.
6: All the presidents of the three schools ran through what they say are new plans to battle hate on campus, including here at the University of Pennsylvania, an increase in security, as well as task forces on Islamophobia and anti-Semitism, as well as and perhaps most importantly, education of staff and faculty and students. Hold it back to you.
1: All right, Stephanie Gosk for us there in Philly.
2: Steph, thank you. As for the war itself, fighting between Israeli forces and Hamas reached new levels in Gaza overnight, and civilians are now being left with few places to seek shelter. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel joins us from Israel this morning. Richard, good morning.
8: Good morning, Savannah. We are now on an Israeli military base not far from Gaza, and commanders here tell us that Israeli troops have already destroyed large parts of Hamas's tunnel network that run underneath the Gaza Strip, in some cases blowing up the entrances and trapping Hamas fighters inside. But the cost of this military campaign to the people of Gaza is enormous. The Israeli military says its troops are now in the most intense fighting of the two-month war so far, battling with Hamas deep in Gaza, on the streets, in buildings on foot and in tanks. But this war is turning Gaza home to 2.3 million people who can't leave into a moonscape of destruction. These images are from Deir el Balah in central Gaza, where six-year-old Lana Abu Safi was carried into a hospital by her uncle. I miss my mother and my arm. It hurts, she says. The Israeli military says it's instructing Gazans to evacuate areas of heavy fighting with millions of leaflets, phone calls, and maps of where to go. But in many cases, the messages aren't reaching or convincing Gazans, who say there is no safe place to go.
7: When does the world move to stop this madness in Gaza?
0: When? Until Gaza completely destroyed? Until there is no place called Gaza anymore?
8: Many have fled to the southernmost tip of Gaza, to the city of Rafa, on the Egyptian border. It's so overcrowded now, families are living on curbs. As we filmed, a man noticed our camera and said, don't bother, nobody cares. Israel says the war is not with the people of Gaza, and that Palestinians are also victims of Hamas, which made them targets when the militants used Gaza as a base to massacre 1,200 people in Israel and take some 240 hostages. Israeli investigators say they have evidence Hamas fighters raped female victims on a wide scale. There are still more than 130 hostages in Gaza. Families and released hostages met with Prime Minister Netanyahu and his war cabinet Tuesday. They were angry. One warning that the remaining hostages don't have another second. More than 100 hostages are back in Israel after last week's truce yesterday. Five-year-old Amelia Aloni returned to kindergarten after being held hostage for 49 days. The families of those remaining hostages still in Gaza just released a joint statement not long ago saying that they've received intelligence that the conditions of the hostages are deteriorating due to uh, injuries and untreated illnesses. And they called for immediate action to secure their release, potentially returning to negotiations. Savannah?
1: All right, Richard Engel in
2: the region for us. Thank you,
1: Richard. Let's turn now to the presidential race. Four Republican candidates will share the debate stage in Alabama tonight. Donald Trump will not be a Among them once again. But the frontrunner is raising eyebrows with some controversial comments overnight. NBC's Garrett Hake is covering all of this for us. Hey, Garrett, good morning.
9: Hey, Hoda, good morning. With just about six weeks to go until the Iowa caucus, tonight's could be the final debate before Republican voters begin the process of selecting their nominee. On stage tonight, they'll see Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, each trying to close the gap with frontrunner Donald Trump, who won't be here and who last night laughed off questions about whether he would become a dictator if he returned to the Oval Office.
5: Because it's a movement.
9: Overnight, during a tape town hall in Iowa, former President Trump mocking questions about turning the presidency into a dictatorship. Moderator Sean Hannity asking Mr. Trump if he had any plans to abuse his power or break the law if he were reelected or to seek retribution against others.
5: I <laughs> love this guy. He says, You're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, No, 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 other than day one. We're closing the border. And we're drilling, drilling, drilling. After that, I'm not a dictator,
9: The Biden campaign quick to respond, writing in a statement, quote, Donald Trump has been telling us exactly what he will do if he's reelected. And tonight, he said he will be a dictator on day one. Just days ago, former Congresswoman Liz Cheney Cheney expressing similar concerns about an abuse of presidential power to Savannah.
2: You've said we're sort of sleepwalking into dictatorship in the United States. Dictatorship. Is that what we would have if we reelect
7: Donald Trump? I think it's it's a very, very real threat and concern and, and I don't say any of that lightly.
9: Earlier Tuesday at a fundraiser in Boston, President Biden telling donors quote, "If Trump wasn't running, I'm not sure I'd be running, but we cannot let him win. Returning to the White House, the president making clear he's staying in this race. No, not now. Meanwhile, Mr. Trump will not take part in tonight's GOP debate as the shrinking Republican presidential field gathers in Tuscaloosa. At center stage, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, both trying to establish themselves as the party's best alternative to Trump. I think
10: Nikki Haley really represents uh, the last gasp of a failed establishment.
0: Well, I think he went after my record as governor because he's losing. I mean, who else can spend $100 million and drop half in the polls?
9: While on the wings, long-shot candidates' Chris Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy trying deeply divergent strategies. Ramaswamy embracing Donald Trump. Christie vowing to take him on directly.
4: Hope is not a strategy. If you want to beat someone, you need to go out and tell people why he's not right for the job and why you are.
1: So, Garrett, there were some, as you said, controversial comments from uh, former President Trump. He used that he'd be a dictator on the first day. Do you think the other candidates are going to address that issue uh, tonight at the debate?
6: The
9: other candidates have tried as hard as they can not to address the controversial things Donald Trump says, at least when they don't Relate to policy. But on other things like talking about deporting tens of millions of undocumented immigrants or millions of undocumented immigrants or saying he wants to repeal Obamacare, they have in some cases chased him to the right. Ron DeSantis on Meet the Press over the weekend saying he too would try to pass something to supersede Obamacare. That's something Democrats will later seize on. Donald Trump also last night suggested he doesn't think that Joe Biden will be the Democratic nominee he or another Republican could face in the fall. I expect that could be a question that comes up tonight as well,
1: Hoda. All right. Garrett Haig for us there in Tuscaloosa. Garrett, thanks.
2: Craig joins the table. We got some severe weather to talk about.
1: Savannah, Hoda, good morning. Good
10: morning to you as well. In the Pacific Northwest, days of relentless rain have caused rivers to rise and in some cases breach their banks. The damage in some areas is quite extensive. Mr. Roker standing by with that first forecast. First, the NBC national correspondent Miguel Amelgaer is in Preston, Washington. That's just east of Seattle. Miguel, good morning to you. Craig, good morning. The rain here in this area is just now finally slowly beginning to taper off, but local landslides have actually cut off access for Amtrak, and some communities are surrounded by water. As you can see behind me, the rivers are raging and they're swollen. It's a powerful weather system that's still on the
4: move. Powerful cascading torrents tore across communities near Seattle, fueled by days of drenching rain Dangerous walls of water triggered flood alerts for some nine million across the Pacific Northwest. At least five raging rivers are threatening to breach their banks, some already partially submerging homes, cars and
1: roads. It doesn't matter if it's a couple inches or a full foot um, of water or anything in between. It's a very dangerous situation.
4: In Oregon, the flash flooding turned deadly as emergency teams raced from rescue to rescue, the Coast Guard swooping in to pluck one driver from their truck, while also hoisting another family from their home after it was surrounded by rising water. With three major storms dumping a conveyor belt of steady rain, up to eight inches could fall across the Pacific Northwest by Thursday.
11: I didn't expect for it to rise this quickly
4: a waterlogged region desperate to dry out, but this morning still on the brink of disaster.
10: There is some good news as the rain tapers off. These rivers are expected to finally begin to recede, but the rain won't be done in big cities like Portland and even parts of Northern California. So another soggy, wet, dangerous day ahead for so much of this region. Craig. All right. Miguel Amaguer-Force there in Washington State. Miguel, thank you. Let's
2: get more on this flooding situation mm-hmm. and the forecast. Al is here. Good morning. Hey, good
5: morning, guys. So this atmospheric river is starting to weaken a bit, but not before dumping more rain in the Pacific Northwest and into Northern California. You can see flash flood watches, or flood watches, I should say, from Forks all the way down to Eureka, and we're going to be watching that rain continue to accumulate another one to three inches from Portland all the way down to Fort Bragg, and then it starts to taper off. Now, this is part of a jet stream of Big jet stream. And we've also got this massive ridge of high pressure. So other than the Pacific Northwest, we are talking record warmth in the West, but this Alberta Clipper coming down out of Canada is bringing chilly air from Canada. So you look here in the Northeast, Boston, 36, 51 in Raleigh, 41 in Cincinnati, five to 10 degrees below average, but Omaha, Wichita, Oklahoma City, Denver, anywhere from 10 to almost 30 degrees above average. That warmth continues tomorrow with possible records for Minneapolis, Kansas City, Memphis, Chicago, uh, Amarillo, Texas. And we look for these records from Hayward, Minneapolis, Marquette, Waterloo. The good news is this warmth starts to move east. We're looking at a 60 degree high on Sunday in New York, 64 in uh, in uh, Washington, D.C., Detroit, 49, 46 in, the, in Minneapolis, Indianapolis as well. The big news, but the bad news is we're going to be looking at a really wet, messy weekend along the eastern seaboard. We're going to look at that coming up in the next next half hour. And that is your latest weather, guys.
1: All right, Al, thank you. Uh, just ahead, we are in the busy holiday travel season, and the mental health of pilots is right in the spotlight. Tom Costello's got that story. Hey, Tom.
12: Hey, Hoda, you know, we've had some high-profile pilot mental health emergencies in recent months. Part of the problem is they're afraid to seek help because they fear they can lose their jobs. Now the FAA and the NTSB say it's time to address that, take away the stigma. We'll get into that uh, when we come back.
2: All right, Tom, thank you. And then we've announced the shortlist. It has world leaders, CEOs, and OA oh, music superstars. So now it is time. We will find out who has been picked for Times Person of the Year. We'll reveal that choice exclusively just ahead. But first, this is today on NBC.
0: What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island?
7: We're back at
1: 730. The Rockefeller Center Christmas tree shining brightly on this Wednesday morning. 19 days to go, you guys. Christmas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How's that for a wake up call? Exciting. Uh, of course, 19 days means
10: that we are in the middle of the holiday travel season as well. And There's a serious concern for anyone who flies. We're talking about the issue of pilot mental health. Yeah,
2: it's really in the spotlight after some alarming incidents involving erratic behavior in the cockpit. And NBC's Tom Costello is all over it. He uh, covers aviation for us. Tom, good morning.
12: Yeah, good morning. Today, the NTSB thinks this is serious. It is holding a roundtable discussion to address the urgent concerns about pilot mental health. The NTSB says current protocols simply are not good enough for pilots, and that could lead to a serious problem in the skies. When you board a flight, you assume the pilot is mentally fit to fly. But aviation and mental health experts say current regulations cause too many pilots to keep their struggles a secret, leading to mental health breakdowns, some in flight. Today, the NTSB is holding a summit with experts to develop solutions.
7: What's unsafe is not getting people the help they deserve
12: take the case of veteran pilot Joseph Emerson
7: we've got the uh, guy that tried to shut the engines down uh, out of the cockpit
12: in October Emerson tried to shut down the engines of an Alaska air flight while hitching a ride in the cockpit a grand jury is now indicting him on 83 misdemeanor counts of reckless endangerment and one count of endangering an aircraft Emerson has pleaded not guilty in court filings he claimed he was having a mental health emergency he told police he'd been depressed for six years, had recently lost a friend and had taken psychedelic mushrooms 48 hours prior to the flight. Experts say, contributing to the bigger problem, the FAA relies on pilots to self-report mental health issues. While periodic medical exams require pilots to disclose if they're in mental health treatment, the exams do not include in-depth psychological evaluations. A recent Inspector General report found this limits the FAA's ability to mitigate safety risks because pilots are reluctant to disclose mental health conditions due to the stigma and the fear it will hurt their careers.
3: We need to have a
9: system that allows people to be more forthcoming and to have treatment for issues that shouldn't
3: keep you out of the cockpit.
12: On Monday, the FAA announced it is creating a special committee now to identify barriers that discourage pilots from reporting mental health issues. The FAA says most conditions, if treated, will not disqualify a pilot
7: from flying. We have to normalize mental health care. We have to make sure the choice isn't receive treatment or fly.
12: Yeah, the whole country is trying to help normalize mental health treatment. The Airline Pilots Association says it supports these initiatives. It also wants the FAA to fund a peer support training program for pilots that would encourage them to confide in each other and help connect them with mental health resources. Savannah,
2: this is also a subject with uh, air traffic controllers. We've been covering that this week, too.
12: Yeah, that's right. Many of those controllers say that they're struggling in the face of these severe staffing shortages and on-the-job fatigue. The FAA says its new committee will also address those mental health challenges
2: facing controllers. right tom super important issue thank you very much all right
10: still ahead here on a wednesday morning the eye opener when it comes to your health we're going to break down some new research just out this morning in fact and it's shining a shining a light on a very serious issue that's apparently
1: shared by a lot of couples but first the exclusive reveal of times person of the year so who was the face behind that question mark you're about to find out coming up after this
2: We are back 7.38 with an exclusive
1: reveal, the 2023 Time Person of the Year. Dating all the way back to 1927, Time has selected the man, woman, group, or concept with the most influence on the world, for better or worse, during the past 12 months.
2: Sam Jacobs is Time's editor-in-chief. Sam, good morning. Welcome to today. You get a drum roll. Okay? Oh, wait. No, Okay. We need one, but you, you can reveal right now yeah. who it is. Are
11: you ready for it? We're, We're ready. ready for okay. it. The 2023 time person of the year is Taylor Swift.
2: OK, Yay. Taylor Swift. And I think you have several covers. Yes, you do. One and an with interview the... with Taylor. Mm-hmm. Let me just let's just get this out of the way, Sam, because the world is on fire right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is person of the year and it's purports to say this is the most influential mm-hmm. person or group of persons in the world this year. You picked Taylor. We know about her influence. How did you justify this decision?
11: Every year, you know, we get the staff together. We debate this throughout the entire summer and fall. Picking one person who represents the 8 billion people on the planet is no easy task. And certainly in in a year when the world is divided, there's a lot of light and a lot of darkness. There are a number of different choices that could have represented 2023. But we picked a choice, someone who represents joy someone who's bringing light to the world, someone who's taken her own story and made it big enough for everyone.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
11: don't think there's anyone who's moved so many people so well as Taylor Swift did in 2023.
1: You actually, your your magazine sat down and spoke with her. Uh, did she reveal anything new or what was it like for her to learn about this?
11: You know, the amazing thing about Taylor Swift is she, at least in 2023, she was like the weather. She was everywhere. <laughs> you could have a conversation with anyone about her But we haven't heard much from her. It's actually been nearly four years since Taylor Swift has sat down and had a conversation with a journalist. We sat down and talked to her this fall, and she was very open about what this experience was like, what it feels like to be the center of attention for the entire world. Of course, her personal life is something that's fascinating to people. But we also learned how hard it was to prepare and pull off this tour. I mean, gathering together 70,000 people night after night after night requires a huge amount of dedication and preparation.
2: Well, I mean, she has not done an interview in four mm-hmm. years with any journalist. She doesn't need to. She mm-hmm. doesn't need the press. So it's so interesting that she really did sit down and she it seems like from the interview, she was very open mm-hmm. about a number of things, including her own career trajectory and talking about a time of darkness when mm-hmm. she felt she was canceled, left by the side of the road and how she clawed her way back.
11: What's amazing is how she's taken those negative points, what she sees as those low points in her career, the acquisition of her music by someone who she never wanted to buy her music, the some of the attention that she received in the public spotlight... She reacted to that in the past, and it was really difficult for her. She went away. She talks about in this interview being scared to get on the phone, being scared to leave her house. And what we've seen in this year is someone who's finally comfortable in her skin. I mean, it's amazing. This is only the fourth person of the year, solo person of the year, Mm -hmm. who was born in the last 50 years. Mm. She's 33 years old, yet she's a 17-year veteran of this industry. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing someone who really just feels very comfortable with where she is in her life. And
1: talking about her personal life because her last relationship she never spoke about. People were always questioning is she in one? This one is so out in front and she was talking about Travis Kelsey in your interview
11: as well. Well, when we asked her that question. Yeah. What does it feel like to be yeah. so public with your romantic life? And she she laughs. She says we're just two people supporting each other doing what we love. Mm-hmm. And, and she feels like that's the right place for her to be at this moment. And in fact, the idea of hiding away that relationship doesn't feel comfortable to her.
1: Swifties are going to eat up every well, who wanted the cat? Part of this. Did she want the cat or did you guys in the in one of the covers? Uh, I think it's hard to resist this cat.
11: Uh, America.
2: Karma is a cat, Karma as you may well be aware.
11: This cat is Benjamin Button, uh, <laughs> yeah. Taylor's cat, who yeah. joined us for this photo shoot and uh, I think makes a remarkable cover.
2: Well, yeah. She talks cat. about Travis. She talks yeah. about uh, what it takes to get ready for the Eras tour, which yeah. I was amazed yep. at. So right. uh, it's a really interesting interview. Fascinating read, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Thank you I very much. It. We should mention all three cover editions of the 2023 Time Person of the Year issue are available right now on time.com and it will hit newsstands on December Fifteenth, you could have done December thirteenth.
1: That would have been very tailored. Oh, that would have been very as Taylor. the mother of a Swiftie, you <laughs> yeah, have to know, you know all the things, right? All right, yep. we're gonna yep. head Thank over to Mister Roker get another check of the weather.
5: Hey, Al. Hey, thanks so much, guys. So we kind of intimated that it's going to be a messy weekend. Well, this system is going to start off as one of those Pacific Coast storms and then redevelop on Friday night over the plains, bringing snow to the Rockies, rain into the mid plains, and then we move into Saturday. We're going to be looking at widespread rain, heavy rain from texas all the way into the midwest a flood threat for the southeast will increase plus we've got a threat of severe weather for severe storms saturday evening from little rock tyler texas houston baton rouge on into jackson tornadoes possible we're going to be watching that very closely and then sunday this system rockets into the east it's going to bring heavy rain strong winds from florida all the way to maine Heavy, wet snow may be developing behind this as well for the interior sections of the northeast into New England. So we're going to be watching this system. It is going to have it's going to be a big impact storm coming into the weekend. And that's your latest weather. And the question is, what's the over under as to when those Time magazine issues sell out?
1: It's out December 15th, December 15th. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I bet you it's (laughs) out on day one. Yeah,
2: Yeah. you're right. No question. They're going to sell magazines. Uh Still ahead.
10: Uh, a special and much-needed holiday surprise for some deserving families. We're going to show you what Jenna did to help spread some good cheer this season.
1: It was one of the biggest years, our biggest hits this year, but will there be a sequel to Barbie? We'll hear from Margot Robbie at the Head and Pop Star. Beautiful. That's all ahead right
11: after this.
13: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?